dominion and power to him that is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before his presence with exceeding joy. To him be glory, dominion, majesty, and power, both now and forever. To you I call out, Father Eternal, have mercy on us according to your loving kindness and according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out our transgression and chasten every one of us and scourge every one of us whom you receive that have a haughty and a hard-hearted heart before you have to damn us. Let me not speak words that make people feel good on the inside and not blow the trumpet. Let me not bow down to the evangelical movement of those that call themselves Christians that hate you because they hate your word, they hate your ways, and they hate what is righteous. Let me not align myself with any political person, whether the person is black, white, congressman, senator, in the past or in the future that will stand up for immorality and ungodliness, homosexuality, transgenderism, and atheism, agnosticism, and act like your word is not your word. Let me be damned first before I join those kind of people. Let me lay in the box and be dead and not cumber the earth anymore. I'm going to play the fool like that. Your first commandment that you are God and we would have no other God before us. Help me to always let my mouth speak the words that my first presupposition, my first assumption that everything is the word of God is right. And all his words are done in what? Truth. Help us today, Lord, as we go through the book of Joel. And talk about the damnation that's coming upon the people that call themselves your people. Because they lie in your name. They tell lies. And I ask you to damn every one of them that will not repent. This world is going worse and worse. You said through your prophet the wicked shall be turned into hell. And all of the nations that forget God and we forget you. We forget you when we come together and call ourselves going to work together for peace. We do it without your word. We forget you when we go out and we march. We forget you when we come in these buildings that we call church. We forget you when we got a girlfriend. We forget you when we have a boyfriend. We forget you when we're arguing in our homes. And then we call on you when the trumpet blows. So stupid. We have 66 books that you've allowed us to have that they say to the hours, let alone all of the other books that were written. So help me, to, help me today, Lord, make relevant that which is in your word from the book of Joel, Yoel. Amen, amen, and amen. Got a beautiful message today. I told that young man right there, I said, if you don't learn anything new today from what I teach, I'm going to pay him. What am I going to waste this time for? What am I going to waste his ears for? How old are you, about 15? Yeah. If, I'm gonna waste, if I waste your time, you're going to have to be a good liar not to learn something new, or else you should be sitting in my seat, okay? I'm just doing it like this. So, our message today is save people Many professed saved people will be damned if God keep his word because we as the men of God do not understand what it means to blow the trumpet. Blowing the trumpet is not because they have different types of shofars that make different sounds. Now, let me be perfectly clear. That is blowing the trumpet. But that's not why the trumpet is blown so you can hear a pretty sound. The trumpet is blown to let people know that it's time to come together and have what is called a moedim or a feast day. 
I would say one of the most important days that the trumpet was going to be blown was on the day of atonement, whenever your sins could be covered by the blood. Uh, not the blood of Jesus at this time. It was a precursor. Let me use a different word. It was something that would happen in the future, but at that time it was an animal. And you would fast so many days before then because there are things you had to do to be right with God inside of your heart. You could go and kill an animal all day long. What's the big deal? That's I've right. killed animals before I lived in the country. Okay? As a matter of fact, I saw a rat run across the yard, our yard one day, and I told my wife, I said, baby, I can hit that rat. <laughs> Boom! It was gone. It, I think a tail was left because Billy, Billy would not let me shoot his rifle. Billy said, bullets go way back to so keep shooting shotguns. Billy was my daddy. I called him Pop, but he's dead. I saw it just say Billy. There was a doom for that rat because he's in the wrong place at the wrong time. My daddy used to plant stuff like a garden. They come out there and want to eat it up. Preachers are our worst enemies. I'm going to say it again because Pastor Grace said I better say it. Preachers are our worst enemies. Starting from the time of Adam and Eve, somebody came and preached and said, God don't mean what he says. When he says, in the day that you eat of this fruit, you shall surely die. The preacher said, you won't surely die. Let me tell you something about God. God knows that in the day that you eat, you will become as Elohim. If you read your Bible, the English Bible is going to say God. The reason that we use the word God is because when you go through the German translation and you had something called a Gutenberg press that was put out, they used the words Germans use, and the word is G-O-T-T, Gott. But the Hebrew word before that was ever a German press was Elohim. Elohim would be what we would call angels, watchers, rulers of the darkness of this world, Shedim evil spirits, and I'm not going to give you, the Bible got a long list of other kinds of beings, and they're called sons of God. And that being said, you'd be like one of them, to know good and evil. To know means that you are acquainted with it, and you will get to determine what is good and evil yourself. In other words, I'm going to take that authority from the Most High God to tell you that he can tell you what's good and evil and you'll be able to determine for yourself. That's the problem with the church. The problem with the evangelical church is is that they have determined what is good and evil. They have determined what is right and wrong and it really doesn't matter what God's word says. It's because many times I got a big church. I'm on TV. I got an assembly. People give me an offering. They give me a tithe and I get to tell the people what's right or wrong and that's a God damnable lie. You like that word? damnable. I say I used to say God damnable because if I say God damn the people with weak ears, they think I'm cussing. Damn, there's anything that God has found to be detestable. Something that God has determined to be abominable. Something that God has determined that I will condemn you for that and I will judge you with my wrath. That's what God damnable means. So when I say that, I don't want you to like, he just love to cuss. No, I just love to call it like it is. So in Amos, not Amos, Amos was the same kind of flavor when we taught Amos. In Joel chapter 2, I want you to see where we are. Somebody might say, didn't you talk on Joel Thursday? Yeah, and I could talk about it again Thursday if I want to again. If I don't get it all and there's some more in there that need to come out, it needs to come out. Blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. In other words, there is something that needs to be done. I need the people to know that there's an alarm that's taking place and you're not doing it on your own, Joel. I'm telling you to blow it. Lord, in my holy mountain. Mountain was supposed to be like one of the highest places. It's the seat Normally where they would say God lived. When you see in King James, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from which cometh my help. The Hebrew word is har. That means I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. Now that doesn't mean God only is in the mountains. Because one time God got angry because some people thought, oh, he's only the gods in the mountains. He's not the gods of the valley. And God had to let them know that the earth is mine. 
the fullness thereof is mine. The world and they that dwell therein is mine. The seas, oh yeah, I founded it upon the sea. I established it upon the floods. Nobody comes up into my holy mountain or the hills of mine unless they have clean hands and a pure heart and have not lifted up their soul to vanity nor sworn deceitfully. That's what the Bible says in Psalm 24. So sound the alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land, the word is erects, or the land tremble. For the day of the Lord cometh, it is nigh at hand. Let me make sure you understand this. Because we've gone through this on one level, so I can, I can go through it like this this time. When he says, let it be in my holy mountain. When, I, when he says, let it be in the land, it's for the people. It is for the Israelites of that day to understand that God is coming in judgment. We're not talking about Moab here. We're not talking about Ammon here. We're not talking about Babylon. We're not talking about Assyria. We're not even talking about the Ethiopians or the Egyptians. He is in his holy mountain in Mount Zion, the place where God of allowed his temple to be set up where the threshing floor of Arona was bought by David and he set up the temple so he would come and meet with his people and his Shekinah glory. The Shekinah glory, the glory of God that would light up in the nighttime and be a pillar of fire. The Shekinah glory that would be in the daytime like a pillar of smoke. This is what I'm saying. The judgment is coming. Take care, precious. This is the day. This is what's going on. I'm bringing judgment upon my people. So it said, let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord cometh and is nigh at hand. A day of darkness and gloominess. We talked about darkness and gloominess, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the quick part of that. When God executed judgment on Pharaoh in the book, I want to say the book of Egypt, and I want you all to understand them. I know it's the book of Exodus. In the book of Egypt, you want to learn something? Learn that the book of Exodus is somewhat, in many ways, the book of Egypt as well. In the 10th chapter of the book of Exodus, he brought locusts. He said, I'm going to bring locusts like it hadn't been before. He brought the locusts to eat the barley. He brought the locusts to eat the wheat, which is about seven months apart. And that that the hell didn't kill, the locusts ate. And then after that happened, he brought darkness. The Bible said the darkness was of such it could be felt. Shut out the sun. Shut out the moon. As a matter of fact, the darkness was so thick, people didn't even want to move. Now I don't even know what kind of darkness that is, but that's a foreboding kind of darkness. Now he's talking about his own people. This is what he said in Deuteronomy. I didn't kick you all, those people out of the way because you were righteous. Neither did I give you their land because you were great in number. It's because of their wickedness. It's because of their ungodliness that I'm dispossessing them from the land. And if you turn and you do that to me, I'll dispossess you from the land. I will pluck you up out of the land. I don't care what your preacher say that nobody can pluck you out of God's hand. You don't need to worry about somebody plucking you out of anything. What you need to worry about is God doing it. What you need to understand is, is that as long as God is judge of all the earth, he is judged and he will judge you. Don't go give me that damnable lie that he can't see nothing but Jesus. First of all, he ain't going to see no Jesus. I'll grant you Jesus. I'll grant you the, the, the Latin word Jesus, I-E-S-U-S. Uh, -I -I -S. That's what it looks like, Yoda. I'll grant you the J in the German language, but he's going to see Yahashua. He's going to see his son. But listen to me. His son said the father judges no man. John chapter 5. He did. Didn't he say it? He said the father has committed all judgment to the son. That you honor me like you honor the father. First Corinthians chapter 14, 27 verses. And when he has got all enemies under his feet, he's going to turn the kingdom back to the Father, and he himself will be subject to the Father. So let's not, let's not play games when it comes to, he don't see nothing but Jesus. 
That is the most stupid man. Let, let me dispatch this stupidness and this stupidity without even opening my Bible. The book of Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, I talk about it all often. Every one of the churches, he start out saying, I know thy works. Oh, one church, I know you're not cold or hot. I'll, I'll spew, spit, no, that spit, spew is worse. When you get sick and that stuff going to, that spew. I'll spew you out of my mouth. You got one in there that's teaching the teaching of the Jezebelites and the Nicolaitans teaching? I'll catch you in the bed with her and you'll be dead just like she was. You got those that teaching the Jesus of Balaam? I'll come and execute my judgment on you. I know your work. And every one of those churches itself to repent. Repent. How can he say that if he only sees? As you say, Jesus. You let your preacher tell you that and you believe it? And you feel comfortable? I mean, what kind of underwear does he wear? Does he, I mean, does he, does he wear BBDs? Does he wear Fruit of the Balloon or Fruit of the Balloon? That way it's called the cute children, Fruit of the Balloon. It's really Fruit of the Balloon. Does he, does he wear those real fancy kind that cost a whole lot of money? Is his shoes made out of gold? Because there's something about this man that when he tells you something, whatever God's word says, it seems like his word overrides God. And I'm trying to figure out what is it about this man that makes him so great. Whereas the, the book of Isaiah chapter 2, I think it's verse 22. If it's not, it's Isaiah 2 in the last verse. What is man whose breath is in his what? Nostrils. All of that. And you want to look at all of them together, the Bible says the nations are just like just in the bottom of a drop in the butt, bottom of a bucket. We don't even realize the magnitude and the enormity of the God that we serve. So it says it's a day of darkness and gloominess that's coming upon you, like came upon Egypt, the day of clouds and darkness, as the morning spread upon the mountains, a great and a strong day has never been one like. You all hadn't seen one like this, but let me make sure you understand explicitly. I told you all on Thursday that the end of the world or the end of the age or the day of the Lord also was at the time when the Messiah was killed and the, did the sky get dark? Did the earth quake? Did everything go black? Did the dead get up out of the ground? Wasn't God about to do something catastrophic to those people? You think he wasn't? What do you think he said? Father! Them. But they know about what they do. That didn't save them. What? I thought he said forgive. That was one act. When you read the book of Acts chapter 2 around 38, they said, what must we do? And Peter had talked about whom you killed, whom God raised. This is that. That was spoken of by the prophet Joel, I believe that's 2 and 11 Acts. That in the latter days or the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons, your daughters, they'll prophesy. Your old men, they're going to dream dreams. And your young men have vision before the great and terrible day of the Lord. The great and terrible day of the Lord is when the trumpet is blown for, and the temple was going to be destroyed again like it was under Nebuchadnezzar. You will no longer have an altar. You will no longer have a place to have your two sheep sacrificed in the morning, two sheep sacrificed in the evening. You will no longer have a place to have a scapegoat on the day of atonement. You will no longer have a place where you come for Pentecost and all of the people People come together on the three times of the year that you come together to my place where I bless because I'm going to destroy that temple. I'm going to make sure that you understand that Moses prophesied that a prophet is going to come after him, like unto him. Him you shall hear. I'm going to make sure that you know that that prophet is here and that prophet is his son, Yahshua Hamashiach. Jesus the Christ. I'm going to make sure you understand that Aaron's law, that Moses' law was God's law. It was always going to be temporary in the sense of the regulations to give you training wheels to understand me. Because Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek, which means that everybody that was ever going to come 
come out and be an Israelite had to come out of the genitals, the testicles, the DNA of Abraham. And therefore, Levi paid tithes when Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek. Melchizedek was a greater priest. You mean to tell me you think your salvation going to come from, a, from the less of priests to get rid of sins? No. He held the place till Messiah come. And what did Israel say? One who was redeemed by God when he touched the hollow of his thigh? 49th chapter of Genesis, verse number 10. The scepter, the king ruled will not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet. And unto him shall the gathering together of the people be. And what does the Bible tell us in Hebrews chapter 8? What does the Bible tell us in Hebrews chapter 10? What does the Bible tell us in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34? The same things. In those days, said Yahweh, I will write my laws in their heart and in their mind, and they all shall know me from the least to the greatest. What's the importance of having his laws written? I will remember their sins no more. When his laws are in your heart, you're fulfilling that which they did not do in Deuteronomy 29 and 4. Moses said, what did God give you all eyes to see? You've seen all these miracles, but he hasn't given you a heart to perceive. So now I'm having to blow the trumpet in Zion. I don't know if this is a thousand years or 1400 years later from the time Moses told them that. But God's laws are written in our heart. And John 17 and 3, 17th chapter, third verse says, This is life eternal that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. So it's a day of clouds. I'm back in verse 2. It's a day of clouds. Thick darkness as the morning spread upon the mountain, the great people strong. There has not been like or ever like. Is shall there be any after it? For even to the years of many generations, a fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burneth. A land is like the Garden of Eden before then. them. Understand what this is saying, Jane. What this is saying, precious, is that I had given you all blessing. You had great vegetation. You could eat. You could eat. You had corn. You had wine. You had my blessing. But you turned away from me. And now your biggest enemy, let me say it with a different voice. Your biggest enemy is not going to be Nebuchadnezzar. It's not going to be the Assyrians. It's not going to be a pandemic. It's not even going to be the locusts. Your biggest enemy is me. Did you, did you hear what I said? You see, if you don't understand Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 10, Gary, double check and make sure that I'm right. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 10, God said he, he, he pays his enemies back to the face. And I know if that's wrong, Nahum says it. Nahum says he comes with a whirlwind, he comes with clouds, and he has vengeance. And somebody said, you teach an vengeful God. And I am, and I don't apologize. Yes, sir, I was right, Gary. I, God, I don't apologize for God being vengeful. This is his world. Look at what we do. We rape children. We sell children. We have churches that have built their back on slaves. 80,000 slaves the Methodist churches had. 80,000 slaves the, the, the Baptists had. 40 other thousand slaves that they had, not just in one of my books. And none of you want to do restitution. When God say when you do wickedly like that, you leave your gift at the altar and first go be reconciled to your brother. The trumpet needs to blow. The pandemic needs to stay until we get our minds right so we can quit bubble gumming and calling it something that God wants. I got, no, you don't call me at all. Let me put my phone on my phone because I don't, I don't know, I know how to stop that. I told people before, I don't, I don't call me to work on Sabbath. I don't even want to hear it. I don't even want to hear it. I heard that. That irritated me. Well, I want the pandemic to stay. I want God's judgment to stay until we repent. 
sitting around bubble gumming and singing, Oh, how I love Jesus. And the bass, Oh, how I love Jesus. The Bible says, If a man love me, he will keep what? All right, then. He didn't say he's going to keep singing. Even the people in the days of judgment, you know, they used to say, we can't sing the songs of Zion in a strange place. So it says a fire devoured before them. This means your prosperity is being gone. A flame burneth. The land is as a garden of Eden before him and behind desolate wilderness. Yea, nothing shall escape. In other words, when he sends his army, the locusts, he sends his army of the locusts, it is to destroy. That's why the trumpet is being blown. And then he says the appearance of them is like the appearance of horses. You see the same thing when you read in the book of the Revelation when they come up from the bottomless pit and you see the locusts come up like horses. That is nothing That is nothing new when you get to the book of the Revelation. But if you haven't read this in Joel, if you haven't read this whenever you get to the book of Exodus, you start looking at, ooh, this is Revelation. We live in the Revelation. You know nothing about Revelation. Quit faking it. You know nothing about Revelation. What does Alpha and Omega? Who is Alpha and Omega? No, it's just two Greek words, two two Greek letters, okay? Alpha, A, Omega, the same as the N. Or if you would use it in Hebrew, you would say Olive Tob. But at the battle of Armageddon, there is no Armageddon. There is no mountain of Megiddo. It's a valley, it's a plain where Josiah fought. I want to hear all of this. You want to... Remind me of our son, don't it, Ann? When my son told us, he said, I'm going to know as much about the Bible as you all do. And did you say two years? And he started with Revelation. D, you can't start with Revelation. You won't know the rest. I can. About two months later, a month later, he's like, I understand now. Because when you don't let God tell you how he's going to operate from the book of Genesis, when you don't even look at the first six chapters, you don't even see the foundational parts. You don't even get to see the government of God being given to man from chapter 9 through 10. You don't see the table of nations split. You don't see him splitting when it gets to the 11th chapter. You don't even know what Abraham is for if you've never read the 12th chapter of the book of Genesis to begin to understand that God's going to choose a people and that God God's going to use those people to heavenize the earth because Adam didn't do it. It wasn't Noah's job to continually do it. I'm going to take one man, Abraham, and I'm going to choose him above all the nations. And I'm going to let all of the other Elohim have those. That's why the Bible tells us it lets you know why did a heathen rage and imagine a vain thing against the Lord and his anointed. Because the Lord is going to rule. The Lord is going to reign. And that's why he says, I have said it in Psalm 82 and 6, you are Elohim, but you will die like men because you have taken the nations and led them from me. And that's why Deuteronomy chapter 32 and 8. When the Most High separated the nations, he did it according to the sons of God. You'll see that in ESV, Dead Sea Scroll, in the Septuagint, it'll say the angels of God. King James will say to the sons of Israel, your best manuscript is going to be your Dead Sea Scrolls. But if you don't like what I said, look at that 17th verse. He said those people, they didn't bow down to gods. They bowed down to demons or shedim. But people say, demons can't teach. I said, then who taught Eve? I said, you're a New Testament, baby. You like that Darby stuff, J.N. Darby. You like that Dallas Theological Seminary stuff. You don't really like the Bible. So let me give you something from your Bible. Even your Schofield Bible will say 1 Timothy 4 and 1. The Spirit speaketh expressly. That in the latter days, many shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, having their conscience seared with an hot iron. Didn't they say they could teach? Didn't 2 Corinthians chapter 11 tell us that Satan could transform himself to an angel of light? And don't marvel that his ministers can transform themselves to the ministers of righteousness? And it as a sidebar, can you, t can you tell I'm feeling so much better today? Can you, can you tell them that that poison is getting so much out of our system? I feel like I'm just enjoying the Lord. You all don't understand. It just feel, this feels better than riding the roller coaster. Talk about God's goodness, okay? 
All right, now verse number four. We talked about the appearance of horses. As horsemen, so they run like the noise of chariots. I looked on the web this week to look at some of the, well, actually this morning, to look at some of the locusts in China right now. They came across from Africa, and they talked about the noise of the locusts. They're using drones to try to kill them. But it says, like the noise of chariots on the top of the mountain, they leap like the noise of fire that devours the stubble. As a strong people sit in the red. Yes, we covered this on Thursday, but on Thursday I did not make the emphasis that this is against his own people. You better hear me. Because we're walking around in the arrogance of our mind and the simplicity of our thoughts. And the Bible talks about a wise man, he sees evil and he hides himself. But the simple pass on and are punished. Verse 6 Before the face, before their face, the people shall be much pain. All faces shall gather in blackness. They run like mighty men and climb the wall like men of war. I'm sending an attack on your nation. I'm sending an attack on your homes. I'm going to destroy everything. You're going to be plundered. Do you get that that's what that is? Plundered. That's what happened to the Egyptian, and I'm letting that happen to you. I'm the same God. You acted like an Egyptian. You're going to get treated like an Egyptian. Neither shall they thrust one another that they will walk everyone in his own path. When they fall upon the sword, they shall not be wounded. Can you imagine God sending an army that's able to continually attack, continually attack, and continually attack because you have continually did wicked. You have continually spurned my word. You have continually act like I'm not God. You have continually want to run around in your debauchery, your wickedness, and you want to have control over your own body and your own sexuality and your body is not your own. You have been bought with a price, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Therefore glorify God in your body and spirit, which are God's. They'll say, well, that wasn't what it was in the Old Testament. That's the New Testament. You're telling a damnable lie. He tells you then. The husband and the wife come together and be one flesh. He tells you even back then, don't commit adultery. Don't you go and, and lay up with a, a, a maid and rape her. Play with God. This problem preaches. People think that, you know, well, we wear a suit and God will listen to what we say because we wear a suit. Are you really that impressed that somebody takes some cotton or some nylon and they put it on a, they, they, they cut out a pattern and they make something and all of a sudden now you that great, you must really be stupid. Do you understand in Leviticus chapter 10, God burns some people up and probably some of the most beautiful garments that have ever been made because he is the one not only that gave the design and gave the people the ability, the women to make those clothes and the name of the two people were Nadab and Abihu and he burned them up in their beautiful clothes and kept the clothes. Did he do it? Yeah, he did. I know what I'm talking about. Verse 9. They shall run to and fro from the city. They shall run upon the wall. They shall climb in the houses. They shall enter windows like a thief. The earth shall quake before them and the heavens shall tremble and the sun and the moon shall be dark and the stars shall withdraw their shining. Uh, on Thursday night we talked about this. Yes, I do believe that the time will come when, the, when God finally consummates this age, it will be catastrophic. I believe not only will he do things in the earth, I believe he's going to do things in the heaven above, but we better understand that this has happened many times. It happened in the book of Isaiah chapter 13. He talks about it in Isaiah chapter 19. He talks about it in the book of Ezekiel. So somebody said, Tim, why are you not reading it all? Do you really want to give me as long as I'd love to take? I don't think you do. Verse number 11, and Yahweh shall utter his voice before his army, for his camp is very great. They're not coming on their own. They're following orders. So whether or not you think this pandemic or whether or not some of the pandemic was natural and some of it was man-made or some of it was spread, it doesn't matter. I was metal poisoned when I took too much of that zinc. It didn't matter if it was accidental or not. Once it was done, it was done. And it had to get out of my system. Many times we are under the judgment of God and we think it's somebody else's fault. No, you took that zinc. No, you did what was necessary to get God's judgment. 
Somebody say, but I didn't do wrong enough suffering in the pandemic. There's a difference in God's judgment and you suffering with what other people do have done and you're crying out to the Lord and the Lord is trying you and testing you. But if you don't know anything about Ezekiel, if you don't know anything about Ezekiel chapter 9, then let me tell you, there are some men that were mourning they were sighing over the wickedness of their nation. And Yahweh said, I'm coming to execute my judgment. So he tells a man to take an ink horn and go mark every one of those that know how bad things are and that are mourning and sighing. And then he had others coming with their sword behind to kill them. We're not talking about humans. We're talking about some of his other sons. That's why you get that in the book of the Revelation. You have so many people that are marked uh, with a seal so that they don't get hurt. It's drawn from Ezekiel. So it says, Yahweh will utter his voice before his army. His army is very great. For his strong to execute a judgment with his word. For the day of Yahweh is very, very terrible. I want to say it like Charles Barkley. Terrible. Very terrible, y'all. It's terrible. It's not only terrible for a nation, but it's terrible for an individual when God's hand is on you for his judgment. I tell you, I didn't come here to, to win friends and influence people. I came to blow the trumpet. What does it say in the next verse? It says, and who can abide it? Who can abide God's judgment? I'm going to tell you something. When you get to the place that you can't abide God's judgment, you begin to understand that there is something going on. Let's let Zechariah come to the witness stand. Zechariah chapter 12. The Bible says when the judgment of God are abroad, each person is concerned to contribute his quota to the common supplications, having, having contributed to the guilt. What, is that? What, what are you saying? It says, and the land shall mourn every family apart, the family of the house of David, that's Judah, their wives apart, the family of Nathan apart and their wives apart. And if I were to keep reading, it lets you know each individual family, each individual person, when God's judgment comes on the scene, you better understand you need to make sure, be making sure that you are right. When that trumpet is blown before the judgment is exercised, you start making sure you're right with him. Make sure you're right with him. Make sure you're right with him and for his family. Didn't we hear Job do that? Every day, Job would make sacrifices for his children, his sons, and his daughters. Could be they done messed up. Could be they, they could have said the wrong thing in their heart. I'm their daddy. I'm the daddy. Look at, listen to verse number 13 in Zechariah 12. The family of the house of Levi apart, and their wives apart. The family of Shimei apart, and their wives apart. And all the family that remain every family with their wives apart. So when I start telling you to blow the trumpet, when I say God's judgment is coming, you don't have to be one that's damned when he damns the evangelical church, when he damns those that are calling themselves or professing to be Christians, but they are so outside of his will that they think that when the trumpet blows, it has nothing to do with them. What an arrogant piece of mess to be able to walk around and think God is not going to judge you and you got as much dirt, filth, and slander as anybody else. As that young man told me years ago, he said, the, oh, I don't like the Christians because they do everything and they say to Jesus, well, I wish I'd have been as sharp as I am now. And I say, and you say Muhammad. And you say Allah, and you go follow a man and marry a six-year-old girl, and you go and you take black people and you slave, enslave them, and you cut their penises off, and then you take the wives and take the women and say that you married them in the muta, and you don't do no doggone muta, and then you call Muhammad a black man in America, he was a white man. Yeah, he was a white man, Kutan. I read, I got stuff in his Quran, but I didn't know that then. But the indictment that he still made was true. People do everything and say, Jesus, 
Jesus, Paul. Oh, yes, it's Jesus, Jan. Oh, yes, TV. We're going to send you this little fake angel. Send us $20, and it'll be a blessing to you. And we'll get a man with his hair going off his head, and we'll call him Peter Papa, or we'll get one of these other kind of men, and we'll tell you this water comes from the Holy Land, and you can get it and know what your house with, and you'll be saved. Trinkets. Trinkets. Witchcraft in the dead gum what you call church. Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad? But this is what we live with. This is what we see. Why? Because we're not blowing the trumpets. So let's go back to our text so that you don't think I forgot. Fact verse number 10, Joel 2, the earth will quake, the heaven will tremble, the moon will be dark, the sun will be dark, Roll page. And read, read 11. My page won't roll for me yet. Uh, I found the roll right when, right, when, right when you got ready to help me. Verse 12. Therefore also now save Yahweh. Turn ye to me with all your heart. That's the important thing right there. That's what's important. If you don't want to be damned. Young man, you could be down by God. I've known a lot of young men. I used to work in the cemetery business. We buried a lot of young men. Babies, old people, fat, skinny, good looking, ugly. Seems like, seem like everybody know how to die. Uh, I mean, you would think that an ugly person, you might think they would die first. I'll be real, if you just don't even sit down and think about it. But the person real good looking, you think that would give them insurance. Well, let's say somebody don't think that, that case. You would think a young person in that vim, vigor, built, muscular, athlete. Every now and then I hear some athlete drowning. Professional. You hear the actresses, actresses dying. Nothing keeps you from dying. Nothing keeps you from your day of the Lord. Therefore, also say the Lord, Turn ye to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning, and rent your heart and not your garment. This is the problem. This is the problem. We'll make a slight prayer. Lord, please help us in the pandemic. Lord, please help us. Have we really looked at what's going on in this world? Have you looked at the people who you put in elected offices? Or you only look at the one that they call Donald J. Trump and everything they make it be him. Listen, that's a goddamnable lie. He can't bring a pandemic on the world. There is a God that sits up high and looks down low. He chooses what he wants to do. And you can go and you can do and say anything, CNN, NBC, and CNBC says. And you can blame everything on him, but you better start looking at God. Shall the thief come? Shall the sword come and God has not sent it? But yet, you'll take people that are politicians that share your skin color that will promote the Equality Act, that will promote transgenderism, that will promote atheism, will make fun of your Bible, and you'll parade that casting around three or four weeks as if they were great when they hated God and all he stood for. We'll go march with pride. I don't care if you're the mayor of Atlanta. You think I'm going to march with people that pride? When I know pride, go before destruction and the Holy Spirit before fall, when I realize that that's the very reason Paul said lay no hands suddenly. Oh, no, man. Does that person get caught up in the pride and snare of the devil? We just do debauchery and we do wickedness and we stick our chest out. I can be wicked and God don't see and God's not going to do anything. You're telling a God damnable lie. So Jeremiah 12 and 13, 2 and 13, there's no Jeremiah 12. I mean not Jeremiah, I mean Joel. It says, And rent your hearts and not your garments. Turn to the Lord, for he is gracious, merciful, slow to anger of great count kindness and repented him of the evil. If you never knew what God talked to Moses about when Moses wanted to see his glory, you might think this is the first time this was ever said. No. That was said in the midst of God's judgment when God, after God had killed a few of the people, 
And Moses asked for forgiveness, and he had ground that golden calf up in the powder and made him drink it. Well, listen to how God operates. In Psalm 51 and 17, David, a man that took a black man's wife, had sex with her with his ungodly penis, stole her, had the man killed because the man wouldn't get drunk and go up and lay up with his wife so that he could blame the child on him. There was nobody to execute judgment on David because David was the king. But the Bible says the sacrifices, what David says, the sacrifices of God are a broken, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, oh God, thou wilt not despise. We don't have broken, contrite spirits. We got preachers that tell us you're saved, plead the blood of Jesus, your sins are forgiven, past, present, future. We have people that tell us all God sees is Jesus, and we never get to the contrite heart in our world, especially our black community is going down, down, down. And here the Bible is saying, rend your heart. Not your garment. What does Isaiah 66 and 2 say? Because the prophet Isaiah knew about God's standard. It says, we're talking about you're going to build God a place. The heaven is here. The earth is here. All those things his hand has made. Isaiah 66 and 2 says, all those things have my hand made. And all those things have been, says Yahweh. But to this man will I look. Even to him that is of a poor and contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. When the trumpet is blown, he trembles. When the warning is coming, he trembles. Jane, do you want to know why or how I got out of high blood pressure medicine? I had a doctor I didn't really believe in. He gave me enough blood pressure medicine. My blood pressure would stay down. I was taking what is called lisinopril, 20 milligrams. I was taking amlodipine. I was taking a prevastatin drug. I was taking hydrochlorothiazide. I was taking another kind of aspirin. And I had been taking these kind of drugs since 2002. And this one African lady, I think it was last year, she says, I need you to do your blood work. I said, I don't want to do that. I'm just trying to take some more money from me. I need you to do your blood work. I said, no, ma'am. She said, how long you been on this medicine? I said about 16 years. That's too long. It can mess up your kidney. It can so on. By the time she got to telling me what it would do, I said, yes, ma'am. My doctor never blew the trumpet like that. She blew the trumpet. She said, you filter. You won't be able to filter your blood. You won't be able to filter. And that's why people have to go on dialysis. That's what she told me. And it scared me. 16 days I fasted. Blood pressure was good. Got scared. Cause I know what am I gonna do? So I changed my diet to something that was called keto. And that's when I start and start taking the weight off. Blood pressure better than it ever was on drugs. But to this day, if I ever see that woman again, I'm not gonna hug her neck, but I'm gonna thank her profusely. I made them buy her a lunch. Because she blew a trumpet. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. You have a mask on. Other people wear a mask because Fauci or a different one blew a trumpet. Whether or not the trumpet is true, whether or not the trumpet is false, but the people listen. But when God blows a trumpet, preachers say God doesn't mean it. Don't you think I deserve to be damned if I listen to that woman tell me about my kidneys? and tell me what these drugs will do. I've seen people like Senator that face roll like over here, the eyes roll, lips down here. It never happened to me. That's how I got poisoned off the zinc because I was taking all kinds of supplements. I didn't read what I was doing on this one. And when I started talking about blowing the trumpet, 
We walk around sometimes with our faces swole with debauchery, with sin and rebellion. Sometimes our kidneys and our when it comes to spiritually not working. What do you mean your kidneys not working? You're not filtering out the impurities in your body. That's why you love different kind of politicians. That's why you love a black face over God's word. That's why you love to see all kind of dirt on your TV. That's why you want to live a wicked and an ungodly life. That's why you think it's fun and somebody will tell you wrong. You think they're the ones to be damned. You're not filtering. You're not using the word of God to filter. You are bird of God to be a filter like your kidney is to your blood. But you're not seeing God. You're not seeing the beauty of what he does in the body to help you understand. Now, since I got over a little bit of my anger, I'll go back to the word. Verse number three. He that killeth an ox is as if he slew a man. Aren't you glad the pandemic is here? He that killeth an ox to make a sacrifice, God says the same thing if you wouldn't kill a man and offer me a human sacrifice. He that sacrificed a lamb, yes, I've told you to do it twice a day, but because your heart is not broken before me, you're full of wickedness and ungodliness, it's just like you killed or you cut off a dog's neck and poured that dog blood around my altar. He that offer an offering or an oblation is as if you offer me hog blood. And he to burn incense, or he to praise as if he blessed an idol. Yea, they have chosen their own ways. You get all these people. Can we just come together and come together and get and, and work out for peace? Can we just come together and we're going to exclude God's word? We choose our own ways. Their soul, their light, and their abomination. Listen to what God said He'd do. Verse four. I will choose their delusions. I will bring their fears upon them. Because when I called, none did answer. When I blew the trumpet, none answered. When I spake, they didn't hear. But they did evil before mine eyes and chose that which I delighted not. I don't care if it's John Lewis. I choose what God delights in. I don't care if it's Keisha Lance Bottoms. I don't wouldn't care if it's Trump. I wouldn't care if it's Obama. I wouldn't care if it's Tim Merritt. I say what God ain't got to be right. I'll be 60 next year. I don't have 60 more to go. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will never pass away. And this is why the evangelical church is going to be damned because they don't hear the trumpet blow. They choose their own ways. They want to come together with some kind of program. They want to come together marching against something. They want to burn down buildings. They want to have white people in black face tell you that black lives matter. Ain't no black life. Malachi Garza that wrote their belief is a white woman. They say she's a man. And you don't look at your funding and you don't care about God's word. And it says, your brethren that hated you. Say, hear the word of the Lord. You that tremble at his word. Your brethren hated you and cast you out for my name's sake. They don't want to hear nothing about God's judgment. They don't want to hear nothing about God's righteous standard. They don't even want to hear it in their home. Do you hear me? You can preach God's word and people can listen to you all day. And make no difference in their home. It's not for me. That trumpet. Still want to overlord over us and tell us that obeying God is wicked. 
One day God's going to bring judgment upon them and it's going to be pretty, it's going to be swift, and then we'll see the humility come in. Either the humility or the total dis, uh, disintegration of their prominence and their power. Let me move to something else. Because if I keep reading this, it'll be good and it'll be a whole nother lesson. Isaiah 66. Make, put that in your books to learn that. That's a beautiful chapter. It's a beautiful thing that talks about God's absolute beautiful judgment. We need to learn it. Look at what he says in verse 14. We back to Joel. Who knoweth if he will return and repent? Who knoweth if he will return and leave a blessing behind? Where would he get that from? In Zephaniah chapter 2 verse 3. Listen to what the prophet Zephaniah says. Seek ye Yahweh all ye meek of the earth which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness. Seek meekness. It may be ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. What did Jesus teach his disciples? Seek ye first the kingdom, the rule, the government of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his what? Righteousness. Righteousness. And all of your cares will be added unto you. Your clothes, your food, your raiment. This is nothing new. Read, Tim. Who know that he will turn and repent and leave a blessing, a meat offering, a drink offering to Yahweh your God. All the stuff was being taken. Now when God gives abundance, you have the ability now that you can take what God has given you and you can go back to God and God can bless it. Again, 15, go to trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a, a solemn assembly. In other words, just get your heart right. Gather the people, sanctify the congregation. Do you know why you have to sanctify the congregation? I'm not going to read it to you, but in Joshua 24 and 19, Joshua says God is holy. He's holy. You can't serve him if you're not holy. You can't serve him if you, if you don't even listen to trumpet. You can't serve him if you're not seeking him. You are only doing doghead worship. You're doing swine blood worship. You're doing idol worship. If you don't turn your heart to God, gather and sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and those that suck the breast. Let the bridegroom go forth from the chamber and the bride out of their closet. In other words, what he's saying, let everybody, just like in the days of Jonah, let everybody bow down the knees because the whole world, this judgment is coming upon them. Verse number, last part of verse number 17, wherefore should they say among the people, where is their God? And when it said, then will Yahweh be jealous for the land. What? And pity his people. This is where the rest of us is coming from here. This is actually with everything that I've said heretofore. This is where our message really came from. You see, blowing the trumpet was God's warning. Blowing the trumpet is because of mankind's wickedness and it was his people. And I've told you the evangelical church is in the same position to be damned. So let me let me build you up to where I am. Yesterday I was dealing with a woman that was telling me that God has cast all our sins to the sea of forgiveness. The only thing he sees is Jesus. And this is what is taught. How is it then that he's telling them to blow the trumpet? How is it then in the days of uh, Acts? He's talking about what was happening in the latter days. How is it that the Bible talks about God's judgment coming on the land? You can't read 2 Peter chapter 3 when it talks about the earth will be dissolved and the elements thereof will melt with fervent Can you? I know I know what I'm talking about. So let's deal with, let's just deal with that issue from the vantage point of the evangelical church being destroyed if we don't turn back to God. If we don't repent with an humble and a contrite spirit, we will be damned because we don't listen to the trumpet and the preachers won't blow it. Let's go to Micah 7 and 15. Let's taste this, you all. I promise you, it's some good stuff. Even if I, even if I promise you it's some good stuff and it's not, you, you will understand it is still good. Listen to Micah 5, I mean 7 to 15. According to the days of God coming out of the land of Egypt, that's your time frame. 
I want you to look at when I brought you out of Egypt, when I redeemed you, when I executed my wrath and my judgment upon them. Okay, good. It says, the nation shall see and be confounded at their might. They shall lay their hands upon their mouths. Their ears shall be deaf. They shall lick the dust of the serpent. This is the, these are the enemies of God, what they're having to suffer. Lick the dust of the serpent. They shall move out on the holes like worms on the earth. They shall be afraid. Listen. They shall be afraid of the Lord our God because the very judgment that when I brought you out of Egypt, it made Egypt scared. When the people were going to do something to you, I will make them scared. Now he's giving you the synopsis. They shall be afraid of the Lord our God, not you, and shall fear because of thee. So the question is asked, who is God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity? This is where you want to zero in on. Who is like God that pardoneth iniquity? Because people think that God pardons iniquity and therefore there is no reason to worry about the trumpet being blown. It says, and he passes by transgression of the remnant of his heritage, his people. He retained it by his anger forever. 